the, the planet we've known is not coming back in any time frame that matters. You can't just undo this kind of damage. Does that mean we sit down and don't fight? No. No, we fight as hard as we can for what's left to salvage some part of the planet's remaining life support systems. And I would argue that that is an obligation for all of us, not just an option, but an absolute obligation. And I, I've only found solace in fully facing the storm head on without fear or trepidation. You know, it sounds shocking to people that are hearing this for the first time, but we cannot bury our heads in the sand anymore. We can't pretend that just because rational people watching this would never dream of behaving in this way. You know, the evidence is there for people to see for themselves and we absolutely have to stop it and we have to stop it now. Our greatest leap we can take forward is to expose and stop what's happening in our skies. If we can simply expose it, Catherine, I would argue a shockwave would travel around the world. We would unite people in countries all over the world I am absolutely delighted to introduce to the Live Love Learn podcast a new guest today, um, an incredibly important guest to talk about something that couldn't be more relevant to every single person that's watching this. So today we're joined by Dane Wigington. Let me introduce a little bit about Dane for those of you that don't know him. So Dane is the lead researcher and administrator for the website geoengineeringwatch.org and is the executive producer for the groundbreaking climate engineering documentary, The Dimming. He has a background in solar energy, was a former employee of the Betchel Power Corporation and was a licensed contractor in California and Arizona. Dane has devoted the last 20 years of his life to constant research on the issue of covert global climate engineering operations and the effort to expose and halt them. His personal residence was featured as a cover article in the world's largest renewable energy magazine, Home Power. He manages a wildlife preserve next to Lake Shasta in Northern California. And Dane has appeared in numerous films and interviews in his effort to educate the public on the extremely dire environmental and health dangers we face from the ongoing climate intervention operations. Um, such a great welcome today, Dane. I know that you're incredibly busy with all the work and the advocacy you're doing around this, this issue that affects every single one of us. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Just watching the great unraveling unfold around the world, Catherine. And again, our, my gratitude back to you and your followers for the willingness to look at this issue, investigate it, and to try to grasp the gravity of what's happening in our skies. It cannot be overstated. It's not just weather warfare, which is what climate engineering ultimately is, but it's also a form of biological warfare at minimum because the elements they're using are highly toxic. All of that comes down to the air column, it's contaminating our waters, soils, and every breath we take. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm a biologist, but my main passion is a holistic therapist working with animals. And for the past at least 20 years since I've been doing that work, Dane, I've seen the catastrophic effect this is having not only on the plant life, but also our animals that are often an early warning signal for us humans. So um, the health risks, as we're all going to find out today, cannot be underestimated. And my, my intention today, Dane, is really um, to really 
go right back to basics on some of these issues because it's something that most of my listeners are really passionate about. But I really want to make sure that when we're talking about this and opening up to discussions for people that might not know so much so that we can really get this information out there, that we're representing this subject matter in the best possible way but so that we don't feed into the conspiracy theories, which are we all know are used to very easily send people off the scent. So for those of you that know a lot about this subject, I promise you, you're going to learn how you can really open up discussions and help more to spread the word. And for those of you that are new to this subject, um, this is going to be an absolute must list interview for you. So can we start, Dave, with the terminology? Because a lot of people were seeing, um, posting all over social media, what we would call chemtrails. Um, but obviously yours is geoengineering watch and we've got climate engineering. So how how would you like people to be talking about this? What terminology is most constructive for us to be using? Your points are extremely valid, Catherine. And this uh, semantics are very important in this issue if we're going to gain traction. The science terms are imperative because the chemtrails term is the instant marginalization term with any elected official, any corporate media source. So if we stick to the science terms of climate engineering, solar radiation management, geoengineering, those terms are not so easily marginalized. Mm. And, and that is again, imperative for us to stand on solid, credible ground. We have the entire global climate science community discussing exactly what we see in our skies. There's maybe a half a dozen or a dozen articles every single day about this subject describing, again, exactly what we see, but then they tell us we're not seeing what we're seeing. And that argument is starting to break down. Many people are starting to realize they're being lied to at an unimaginable level. And the whole, quote, condensation trail narrative is a, an unbelievably massive deception. We know that all commercial carriers and all military tankers are fitted with what's called a high bypass turbofan jet engine. 90% of the air that moves through that engine is not combusted. So by design, that aircraft engine is nearly incapable of producing a condensation trail, except under rare and extreme circumstances. So we have up close film footage of these aircraft at altitude, in many cases, nozzles visible turning on and off. That's the end of any rational discussion about it being condensation. It's clearly not condensation. And again, our lab tests prove that climate engineering elements are raining down through the air column in our precipitation in unbelievably concerning amounts, elements like aluminum, barium, strontium, manganese, polymer fibers, surfactants. So this is quite a lethal brew and uh, it's contaminating virtually everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm so pleased you've clarified that because it is the semantics are really important because gone are the times now where we can take this lightly we need to be having very serious discussions on this and if people can shut us down in the first sentence for the wrong terminology we're not going to do much good um right. so one of the very controversial subjects most people watching my channel day and they've lost all hope in believing anything that mainstream media tell them and in my opinion quite rightly so however We've got the whole climate change agenda, which is obviously completely ignoring the geoengineering side of things. Now, just to people can really understand how the two fit together, but also how separate they are. What is your understanding, Dane, about um, climate change and man-made impacts on that? Encourage people to, in that regard, exercise their sense of reason that 
The, the atmosphere doesn't know the difference between a particle from an exhaust pipe, an industrial smokestack, or a climate engineering jet. So all of those are factors in this equation. And we, we've been trained from birth to think dichotomously. It's either this or that. You're either a Democrat or a Republican. You're on the blue team or the red team. We need to get past that because this is an all of the above scenario. Every form of human activity that affects the planet and its energy balance is a part of the problem. That being said, climate engineering most specifically has prevented the planet from responding to mm. the damage done from other sources of human activity. So, but we, we can't eliminate from the equation the fact that the human race has cut down forests, paved the planet, poisoned the ocean. We are being incredibly poor stewards of the planet. And climate engineering, when it's heaped on top of all that, makes for an equation that is hurling us toward near-term planetary omnicide. So in order to bring the tribes together on this, in order to build bridges and not burn them, it's imperative to acknowledge that we've not been good stewards of the planet and not pretend that that's not so, but then to back at the so-called green community and the environmentalists who are behaving with unimaginable hypocrisy toward this yeah. issue. And, and that's for a reason. I mean, they're in the U.S., for example, all the so-called environmental groups have 501c3 nonprofits, and they are not willing to risk those nonprofits by addressing this issue, so they pretend it isn't so. And that's that's the leash that they're on. And they know how long their leash is, and they're not going to hit the end of that leash. And again, we're at the point where everything is at stake. We need everyone to acknowledge this issue. So in the attempt to build bridges, it's just important to acknowledge all parts of the equation. And at the same time, and I'll end with this, to point out that there's no legitimate discussion about climate anything from any perspective without first and foremost addressing climate engineering, a.k.a. weather warfare. Yeah, it, it's such an important distinction. Now, one of the things that I think a lot of people who are sceptical to this idea, I mean, it's quite difficult for a normal, rational, empathetic person. I can never say that. <laughs> empathetic, em empath person. It's very difficult for people often to get into the mindset of the people that are conducting this. Um, and one of the questions that I hear thrown back quite a lot is who would be doing this? You know, who would be doing this and why? Because anything that's impacting the general public, the planet as a whole, will also be impacting the people that are masterminding this in the first place. Correct. The why would they do this to themselves question. Yeah. And I would cite the examples we already have of what they have done to themselves. We have 2,400 nuclear weapons that have been detonated all over the planet, which contaminated virtually everything. We have Fukushima, and that's a triple nuclear meltdown, no end in sight, no technology to fix it. And they're building 60 more nuke plants right now. We have Chernobyl that people think is somehow fixed. It's not fixed. The sarcophagus is disintegrating. Chernobyl is going to rear its head again. And we have enough nuclear weapons to exterminate humanity mathematically thousands of times over. So we're not dealing with sanity. People need to understand we're dealing with a cancer of control, addicts for control, all roads lead back to the central bankers. They control the entire matrix. They control militaries. Thus, they control countries. They control elected officials. They control media. 
So when you start to look at this equation through that lens and the behavior of addicts, do addicts care that the next fix might kill them? They don't care. They're not going to stop using. These people are not going to let go of their power. And this is a, a covert weapon of the controllers. They're, I would argue their most prized covert weapon because with this weapon, they can and are bringing populations to their knees without those populations ever even knowing they're under assault. They can blame it on nature. And as the populations increasingly have breathing difficulties, COPD, asthma, what they blame on allergies because we're inhaling massive amounts of highly toxic nanoparticles with every breath we take that aren't being measured in any air quality testing, let alone disclosed, by all these means, they are degrading and debilitating populations, which it's no secret they want to cull at this point. Yeah. So the situation is that grave. And when people start to look at it through that lens, it starts to make much more sense that that cancer, again, like a cancer in, in a human body, does it intend to kill the host? No, but the host dies because the cancer proliferates unchecked and we have the same inevitable results. So again, it's important not to let those stumbling blocks inhibit an honest investigation because it is happening. It's verifiable visibly. I'm not asking anyone to believe me. I'm asking you to look at film footage, look at the testing we've done. We took a National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration flying lab to altitude with top scientists in it, sampled what these heavy aircraft were emitting, processed that at one of the world's most renowned testing laboratories, all on film, all on the record, all available for free on the Dimming documentary. We're asking people to actually investigate. That's all. Yeah, I am going to, obviously, for anyone watching this, all of Dane's links below and the geoengineeringwatch.org. I mean, I've spent the last couple of weeks, obviously, I've been aware of your work for a long while, Dane, but I've gone over it again. I've got whole notebooks full of, um, you know, notepads. You cannot deny the evidence when you go to that website and have a look at it. You know, people of our generation, Dane, when we were at school, when we were uh, young children, we weren't drawing um pictures of the sky with crisscross patterns across. My children, unfortunately, have grown up knowing nothing different from this. So it's there's been an agenda, such a bigger agenda for people to stop trusting what they're seeing with their own eyes, because sometimes those questions that we ask are so horrifying, the answers, that people, it's easier to bury their heads in the sand. So coming on to that issue, I mean, the cover-up, or is it because we've got politicians, we've got pilots, we've got academics, we've got military, etc. In terms of how much do you think these sort of level of people are aware of the issue? Um, and why are they not speaking up about it? You do have a great deal of compartmentalization to start with. And I would cite did the pilots, military pilots in Vietnam who were spraying Agent Orange, were they told this is going to kill your comrade on the ground? They definitely were not told that. And so they're told they're doing something benevolent, something for the greater good. And so many choose to believe that in spite of the obvious facts to the contrary. And we have societies now that have been so thoroughly trained from birth to conform, to do what you're told, yeah. to follow orders. We have the Milgram experiments, which are very, very revealing for your listeners that aren't familiar with the Milgram experiments. The vast majority will do whatever they're told, even if that inflicts harm on another human being, if they believe that someone in authority is telling them to do so. Mm. This is a un very unfortunate characteristic of human nature. So 
this needs to be broken down. And we have, it's not just in the climate engineering arena where we see this type of conformity. We see it in the medical industry and many other industries as well, the defense industry and the sort of weaponry they produce. Obviously, people not really following any true moral compass, are they? So we are communicating with pilots that know this is occurring, commercial as well. The pilots are not directly involved with commercial aircraft dispersions, but their aircraft are definitely being used, not commercial personnel, but the aircraft themselves. And these pilots are leaving some of our printed materials in overt places, pilot lunchrooms and so forth, that they're, they're trying to help bring this issue to light and not lose their job at the same time. But what I would encourage people, especially in the ranks of academia, that are biting their lip, if you will, and not speaking out on this issue because they're afraid of their employment, their employment is not going to matter much longer. And uh, I want to stress that we are on a very, very short timeline on the current course. The planet's life support systems are breaking down by the day. The equation could not be more nonlinear. And, and we have the climate science community now acknowledging we're in the sixth great mass extinction, but we're not just entering it. We're neck deep in it. We've already lost 80 to 90 percent of terrestrial and aquatic insects, 80 to 90 percent. No insects, no people, plankton populations in the Atlantic recently measured 500 locations, 90% decline in plankton. No plankton, no people. Forests are dying all over the globe. They're incinerating, but those that aren't incinerating are just dying. And in fact, even the forests that are still standing and look like they're somewhat alive, they've become carbon sources, not carbon sinks, because climate engineering has so radically changed atmospheric chemistry, and it's destroying the ozone layer, by the way, that's another immediate existential threat, climate engineering, the single biggest factor. So we have flora shutting their stomata, the respiratory ports, that's trees, crops. So they're not breathing, they're not absorbing carbon, they're not expelling oxygen, they're just dormant and dying. And again, the forests here in the Western US don't smell like forests anymore because the yeah. trees are not respirating. So we have a planet that's literally dying and when I say a short timeline, I'm not talking about centuries or decades. We are literally mathematically and trajectory uh, and, and statistically on a trajectory right now that we won't make the end of this decade. And the bigger problem and more immediate problem, even above that, is when those in power realize the public is waking up and, and comprehending what's occurring, what's been done to them without their knowledge or consent, they will do something far worse than what they've already done. And that could happen on any given day at this point. It's so true. I mean, I think there's so much to this. I'm going to read out one of the quotes that I've heard you said before, um, that who controls the weather controls the world. Vice President Johnson's speech at Southwest Texas University in 1962. Now, if you control the weather, you control the food supply, you control the quality of the water, um, yes. you destroy people's homes and environment, you instill a huge amount of fear. And I think, and, and please feel free to correct me if I've got this interpretation wrong, but people are so overwhelmed by fear being pushed at them and all moderations. We've only got to open our eyes to see what's happening with the fires across the globe at the moment. So you've got fires, you've got floods, you've got toxic snow, you've got graphene and rainwater. Um, yes. All the things that you've mentioned about the kelp forest, the plankton, which most people aren't aware of at all. 
And there's so much diversion going on, Dane, with people, in my opinion, that, but the you know, the controllers, the governments who I feel are puppets, as you say, of the people that are really pulling the strings on this, are telling everyone to look over here and they're looking to introduce more controls in the remit of controlling climate change to stop them looking at this point of view, which if if climate engineering was stopped tomorrow, you know, what could be the possible impacts of that? How how significant is that to give us more time? And as you said, the planet to actually use its own resources to try and cope with the rest of what's being thrown at it. Let me back into the questions you just had. First, the, the planet we've known is not coming back in any time frame that matters. You can't just undo this kind of damage. Does that mean we sit down and don't fight? No, no, mm. we fight as hard as we can for what's left to salvage some part of the planet's remaining life support systems. And I would argue that that is an obligation for all of us, not just an option, but an absolute obligation. And as far as people's sense of being overwhelmed, Again, our societies, especially in Western societies, have been trained from birth that everything has to be okay on the outside in order to feel confident and solace on the inside. And that's simply wrong. Yeah. And if we reverse that equation, that if we're on the right path, if we're exercising our will correctly, according to nature, following a moral, honorable compass, then we can feel okay on the inside, no matter what's happening on the outside. And if we do that, if we march forward into the storm in spite of the odds in unison collectively we can yet make a difference and it, it, again it's a matter of changing of priorities that we're not here to spend our whole life pursuing personal pleasure but we're to make a difference for the better and in that there is pleasure there is again solace so we simply need to change our priority we're here for a reason and, and in that priority change that feeling of being overwhelmed can abate and I, I've only found solace in fully facing the storm head on without fear or trepidation. And let me give a, a basic example. If we're standing in the middle of the freeway at rush hour, should we face traffic or should we turn our back to it? And I, I think that's a, a key example. So it's, it's a matter of changing of priorities. The planet is very miraculous. Its life support systems are very miraculous. So they've been damaged to a degree that can scarcely be, scarcely be comprehended at this point. But our best trajectory, our, our greatest leap we can take forward is to expose and stop what's happening in our skies. And if we can simply expose it, Catherine, I would argue a shockwave would travel around the world. We would unite people in countries all over the world that would then know what their governments have done to them without their knowledge or consent. We could, we could alter this equation in the right direction in a way that is difficult to comprehend. And that would bring many other issues up to light also but the climate engineering issue is one you cannot put in the rearview mirror it's bigger and more ominous in front of the windshield every day that passes we must deal with this or very soon all other concerns and causes will not matter i couldn't agree with you more and um i am a strong believer that one of our purposes here is to be stewards of the planet um, and unfortunately, that has gone awry. But when you when you know better, you do better. So now's the time, from my perspective, for people not to be looking back, for be to looking forward and say, what can we do from this time onwards? And it's absolutely crucial that we engage the younger generations who've been completely brainwashed 
um, into what's really going on with the climate and who's really responsible for what to actually divert all that energy and enthusiasm into something that can really make a difference straight away. Um, so in terms of, there's, you know, there's so much information on your website. I'm going to absolutely implore everyone who's watching this to spend just a day of your time going through. If there's any doubt in your mind that this is actually happening, please, please just go to that website and spend just a day of your time. There's nothing more important that can be done because, you know, if, if we don't stop this, we're not going to have a planet any longer and not for the reasons that we're being told. But coming back to some of the things that we're starting to hear about more publicly now about, you know, Bill Gates' plan to block out the sun to slow down global warming, et cetera. Um, in terms of what people can actually do to comprehend that this is these sort of things are real, Dane, what can they do? What is the biggest call to action that you would call on people, anyone watching this and your other work? It's imperative to learn how to introduce this issue effectively and efficiently. And that's what starts a spot fire of awareness and, and just going out into the street or front yard and pointing at the sky and going into a rant that tends to shut people down. It's important to pass on. We use a lot of visual data. So we have satellite imagery that you don't need to know anything about meteorology to know that that's wrong. That's something is going on in our skies. Again, our film footage is inarguable. Uh, and, and that's under our jet spraying sections on the home page. We have the engineering drought section, engineering winter section, which is chemical ice nucleation. Again, that's another aspect of climate engineering. Your listeners would need to consider that they can engineer these surface flash freeze cool downs by seeding clouds with endothermic reacting chemicals. These are patented elements that cause an endothermic energy absorbing reaction. And it can turn what should have been a liquid precipitation event, i.e. rain, into frozen precipitation, be that extra large hail, or in the wintertime, we have these very strange looking cotton ball-like snowflakes that fall. It's extraordinarily slick because of the surfactants that are in this mix too. So there are so many layers to climate engineering and the wildfire situation, the engineering wildfire section, very important. And in the case of the wildfires, we can hang that so almost completely around the neck of climate engineering. And again, that's not to negate that we're burning 100 million barrels of carbon fuel a day. That's that's extraordinarily damaging to the planet. There's no question about that. And I'm not an Al Gore fan or or any of the environmental groups or, you know, their hypocrisy is, is mind-numbing. But we need to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, if you will. So those are all problems. But in the case of, let's take the wildfires, the Canadian wildfires, wildfires in the West. Now we have Greece and Turkey. We have wildfires everywhere. Yes, we have arson involved with those wildfires in many cases, and that's another subject, and that may be very nefarious also. That may involve governments also, and there's reasons that they would would want to facilitate this. But the question is, what's setting the template for these fires to burn with such ferocity, and that is climate engineering. Cutting off the precipitation to regions for extended periods of time. The rain that does fall is toxic. It affects root systems. In the case of aluminum, it causes them root systems to shut down nutrient uptake, so the organism dies from the roots up. We have a destroyed ozone layer now that's perilously close to functional collapse. So the intense UV radiation, not just UVA and B, but UVC is again, causing the trees to shut their stomata. It's burning the foliage. It's causing die off on the upper limbs and the crown. We have incendiary materials, starting with aluminum nanoparticles. That is literally an incendiary. It's used in demolitions. 
and that's raining down through the air column, coating forest foliage, the forest floor. All these particles are electrically conductive. They build up static charges in the atmosphere and it get, in addition to desiccating the atmosphere. So now we have much more dry lightning as well. So from every conceivable direction, climate engineering is the single largest core causal factor for the epic wildfires. Why would they want to facilitate this? Because they are so desperate, and back to the earlier question why they would do this to themselves, they are so desperate, they are trying to mimic the temporary toxic cooling effects of a volcano by incinerating forests. And we have peer-reviewed science study that says exactly that. If your listeners search wildfires serve geoengineering agenda, one of our most important reports, shocking data in that short video report. And my last statement, I'll, I'll stop with this. We found a U.S. military document also posted on our site titled Wildfires as a Military Weapon. And it's a 140-page document from the U.S. military describing the kind of forest preparation that needs to be done in order to incinerate those forests. Preparation lasting up to two years or more. And that's exactly what we see the climate engineers doing. So again, we can speculate as to all their agendas, but the fact that this is going on and climate engineering is core to all of it is, is rationally inarguable. Yeah. And I think, you know, when people are, are looking at individual events, Dane, um, it's hard to believe that, you know, politicians would allow this to happen in their own countries but this goes so far above their level, do you think? You know, they're, they're, and and often it can be used as a punishment or control for certain people in those positions, possibly. Completely correct. Completely correct. So we saw an interesting circumstance in Mexico going back about a decade that we have contacts there that indicated Mexico was pushing back against these programs. And suddenly they had the swine flu outbreak. Yeah. which was very detrimental to their country, their tourism. Their... And then when that subsided, they were back on board and certainly a participating country, whether actively or passively. So we have so many layers to this. And there's one more I, I just want to make mention of the frequency transmission manipulation of these particulates. And that's another very dangerous aspect of this. Extremely powerful Frequency transmissions are being used to manipulate these electrically conductive particles that helps them to steer air masses, helps them to steer storms as large as hurricanes. And I would encourage people, again, not to believe me, search geoengineeringwatch.org hurricanes. Look at the animations we have captured of these transmissions actually steering storms like Hurricane Harvey, holding it from keeping it from moving on land. And that's what the transmissions do. They have a repelling effect. It's very visible. We recorded the actual transmissions interacting with the storms. You have to see these images to truly understand the gravity of this. And with those transmissions, there are other forms of weapons of mass destructions. When those transmissions, for example, from HARP, the largest ionosphere heater in the world, and there's about 100 more different designs in different places. But when you transmit three and a half million watts of power into the ionosphere, you create a massive electrical chain reaction that causes the atmosphere to bulge up and down. The downward push of the atmosphere creates what's called the high pressure heat dome. You hear that term all the time now with meteorologists, frying certain regions under this high pressure heat dome where the air is stagnant, it's sinking, doesn't cool off at night. And that allows them not only to 
carry out whatever agendas they have for that particular region, but it helps them to steer upper level wind currents. That helps them to steer moisture currents. There's so many layers to this, but also those transmissions can be bounced off an electrically a reflective atmosphere now and beamed back down into Earth's strata. If they do this in a seismically sensitive zone, the science is very clear. It's not my opinion. It's not conjecture. When you beam that kind of microwave power back down into a seismically sensitive zone, you cause heating expansion and you can cause seismic activity. And that is, uh, again, that carries immense connotations. When we see countries like Turkey that literally days after they rejected NATO, their country was laid to waste from earthquakes that were very anomalous. And we had atmospheric flashing events that were recorded that is the type of scenario we would expect to see if these types of weapons of mass destruction are being utilized. And let me carry it. There's other examples. We have Haiti, same thing, immediate repercussions after government there that was installed was not uh, favorable to the U.S. We saw Japan, and this is most damning, MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, acknowledged that the 2011 Japanese earthquake, that there was what they called extremely anomalous atmospheric heating for three days. Your listeners can look this up. I don't want them to yeah. believe anything I'm saying. MIT, atmospheric heating, they'll find it. Three days of extremely anomalous atmospheric heating directly above the epicenter for that quake. And the next question would be, why would the U.S. government or Western powers carry out such a, a devastating operation? Japan was starting to ally with its regional partners before that event occurred. After the event, they were right back in the U.S. hip pocket. And, to, and they didn't intend, I was told by former U.S. Army General Bert Stubble, Albert Stubblebine, who was a personal friend, he told me his contacts at the Pentagon told him that the earthquake was intended, intended Fukushima was not intended. When you cause a 9.0, bad things happen. And again, this is coming from a, a U.S. Army general. So uh, for people to think this wouldn't go on or they wouldn't go to this extreme level to carry out their agendas, I think is naive. And we look at Nagasaki and Hiroshima. We had the incineration of two civilian cities after the war was basically over. And that had a purpose to it. That was to, to show the world that U.S. not only had nuclear weapons, but they were willing to use them on innocent populations in order to get such a stranglehold of hegemonic power to install the dollars, the global reserve currency, to fortify their power. So many layers here. But bottom line, these weapons of mass destruction exist. They're being used. The totality of destruction that's coming for all of us, if this is not exposed and halted, can't be overstated. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it sounds shocking to people that are hearing this for the first time, but I've been on Dane's website. I've looked at this stuff. The evidence is there. If you, we cannot bury our heads in the sand anymore. We can't pretend that just because rational people watching this would never dream of behaving in this way. You know, the evidence is there for people to see for themselves and we absolutely have to stop it and we have to stop it now. Okay. The health impacts, everyone watching here will know about the rise in dementia, about the rise of chronic illnesses. Now, of course, I'm not pretending that there's one cause of all these things, there's a cumulative, but you touched on something earlier, Dane, when you were saying about sometimes, you know, people can't measure 
what they're not aware of. So some scientists are first and foremost not looking for the right thing. And some of these particles, these nanoparticulates are so small that they'll cross the gut barrier, they'll cross the blood brain barrier, and they're not measurable by some machines. Is that correct? You're completely correct. It's by design that they're not being mm. monitored or disclosed. So we have at best official air quality testing is generally PM10, 10, 10 microns, occasionally PM2.5. So we're talking about nanoparticles. We're talking about particles that are so small you can fit 100,000 across the width of a human hair. That is very difficult to even begin to comprehend. So because they're so small, as you correctly stated, they're very bioavailable. They're very bioaccumulative. They're building up in our systems. They enter through the olfactory nerve and the nasal passages into the bloodstream, across the blood-brain barrier, as you stated. And these particles, although they're highly toxic in and of themselves and not being disclosed at all, completely under the radar by design. And we're talking about, based on our calculations on extrapolation of rain samples over a single US state, the amount of material in those samples and calculated over an annual basis globally, about 40 to 60 million tons of these particles. It's extraordinarily uh, lethal level of these elements. So although they're toxic in and of themselves, when you combine these elements, they become exponentially more toxic. It's called synergistic toxicity. So we have peer-reviewed study in the case of aluminum and barium, both highly toxic. When you combine those two metals, the overall toxicity can increase as much as 100 times, 10,000% worse. It's a wonder any of us are able to walk and talk at this point. And we know from some of the world's most recognized researchers on aluminum toxicity that without aluminum in the equation, based on their calculations, there would be no Alzheimer's in the normal human lifespan of 100 years. Aluminum is core to this equation. And it is absolutely positively in our air column. Every person we test, hair, blood, urine, is packed with these metals. Different people respond differently. Some people's systems can purge these metals out more effectively than others. But again, they're, they're difficult to purge out. So is that not, aside from everything else, aside from the weather warfare, aside from the potential tectonic weapons, which I mentioned, even if we discount all of that, the fact that we are absolutely breathing this material in every breath we take and lab tests prove it from around the globe, is that not by itself a fight for life? 100%. And I would just like to point out to people as well that most animals are way more susceptible than this to humans because they have far more developed olfactory systems with a lot more olfactory sensors that take it straight yes. up through the blood-brain barrier. So, you know, we can often focus on humanity, but uh, when we look at what we're doing to all other creatures and plants on the planet, it's absolutely horrific in every way. Um, that, that's an exceptional point. I, that, I mean, that is an absolutely exceptional point, point that they... Uh, for that exact reason, are so much more susceptible. And that's why we're seeing such radical declines. And if on the bees themselves, I would encourage your listeners to search bees mm. aluminum. And they may have to search somewhere besides Google because Google is doing everything they can to mask this data. But we have peer-reviewed study to prove that bees are dying of symptoms that resemble Alzheimer's and dementia in a human being because they're packed full of aluminum. So there's other factors killing bees. We recognize that. We have farm chemicals. We have frequency transmissions also associated with climate engineering. But the aluminum factor should be headlines everywhere, and yes. it's not, because they don't want people to connect those kinds of dots. 
Yeah, and and there's so many other contributing factors. When you put the aluminum with the glyphosate, then there's a lot of evidence yes. to show that it accentuates results. But yes. the, suffice to say, there's you know we have to do something about it. The health of our children, the health of our planet is just failing miserably at the moment. But we can do a lot to do about it. There is a lot of resilience there. Um, I just want to, I know I'm very conscious of your time, Dane. I've just got a couple more questions, if I may. Um, NATO, um, what, I've seen you talk before in some of your other interviews, um, and I'll be putting the links to some of those below, because there's so much information you share on this. It's such a huge topic. We can only touch on it today. Um, but NATO, in terms of their impact on this and what their involvement, have you got anything to say about that? They can't not be involved. So if we take a specific example, after 9-11, we had General Wesley Clark, the former NATO Supreme Commander, was given a list of Middle Eastern countries that were to be targeted after 9-11. And every one of those countries subsequently underwent a once in 1,000 year drought, destabilizing their food supplies, thus destabilizing their populations, making them easier to manipulate. And we have the leaders of some of those countries, in the case of Iran, on the floor of the UN stating urgently, emphatically, that NATO was cutting off their precipitation. And they can see it on their radar equipment. It's yeah. not a secret. It's not speculation. So we have all these dots connecting. And of course, that kind of televised coverage on the floor of the UN was not aired in the US. And we have, let's go back further. We have the U.S.'s military's ability to control precipitation, we have historical record, Project Popeye in Vietnam. Historical record, they were so successful at controlling precipitation in the 60s that by the 70s, there were environmental modification treaties passed, international treaties forbidding this weather warfare, but nobody pays attention to those treaties. And again, as you correctly cited earlier, all the way back in 1962, we have then former Vice President Johnson, later President Johnson, stating on film on the record, raving like a, a lunatic that we had the power to control the world's cloud layer and thus the weather then, and quote, he who controls the weather controls the world, you correctly stated it. And how far have we come since then? And yet we have the whole so-called climate science community pretending that climate engineering, geoengineering, solar radiation management is a a final card we can play to save us from ourselves. We've been at it for 75 years using weather as a weapon. We're perilously close to planetary omnicide, which includes extinction for all of us. So my question is, how's that going so far? How's this supposed weapon that we're, or method of saving ourselves by putting these light scattering toxic particles in the sky after 75 years, absolutely cataclysmic results and the whole so-called science community pretending this isn't already going on. We live in an absolute asylum. We really do. And I think um, it it's shocking to hear. But let's get on to, let's finish off, Dane, if we can, with a call to action for everyone watching. So first and foremost, how can they support the organization? How can they support geoengineeringwatch.org? Don't just put in geoengineering.org, geoengineeringwatch.org. How they can support you. And also, Dane, what can each and every one of us start doing right here, right now? Again, I would encourage everyone to not underestimate their ability to alter this equation. The last five minutes 
the epilogue and the dimming documentary was was my statement regarding that. Any one of us could be the final pebble to trigger the landslide of awakening, but you do that effectively and efficiently. And there's an activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. The best way to help is by sharing credible data with authors of environmental articles, uh, other media people, elected officials, uh, environmental groups. And the dimming is a, a, a very essential tool for that. And to share through email to bypass social media is helpful because they're doing their best to censor this data. And to understand that it takes time for those they share with to assimilate this. It's, it's an altering of one's entire perception of the world or their futures they thought were going to be, which aren't. And so you need to allow time for that, but to sow those seeds of awareness that will be forced to sprout. You, again, you can't put this issue in the rearview mirror. It's getting harder to hide by the day. So with that type of help, if we could, all of us, our combined efforts, bring this issue to the surface, we would have so many wheels in this battle turn on their own as people in governments and military realize what they've been told is false. This is not benevolent. It's sinking them and their family along with the rest of us, and they would hopefully stand down. And that is our best chance to expose and halt these programs. And all of us are needed in that effort. 100%. Um, do you think it's really important for people to um, make sure that they're open to people to change? Because you've mentioned we we know we've got a lot of people who um, some of them, a lot of them have inadvertently been involved in this. And when that light bulb moment goes over for them, they're going to need a lot of support to help turn this around. Yes. Yes, they do. It's um, and we don't have. Time is not on our side. I'll, no. I will say that. Time is definitely yeah. not on our side. And there is an undercurrent of awareness in military circles as well. We're hearing from some of them. So, again, we need to stoke those fires and uh, throw those sparks of awareness out. And if we start enough of those spot fires, they'll merge into a blaze that can't be put out. And that's that's what we need to have happen. So this facade is broken down, this total delusion that these operations are just some future proposal they could, may, might do some way. Anybody but the clinically blind can see this going on and denial won't save us. I can't stress that enough. Denial won't save anyone. So I would argue that no matter what the odds are right now, that's the, the only form of solace we will know, the only form of, of purpose and mission is to address this biggest hole in the bottom of the boat. And I wanna stress that again, if we don't deal with this, all other causes and concerns will become moot. And for those that argue different positions, climate, whatever their position is, just counter that with how can there be any legitimate discussion without addressing this, whatever their opinion is. So you can you can end an argument in that way and you can keep the focus where it needs to be. We need to seal this hole in the bottom of the boat, allow the planet to respond on its own, and then we can more correctly assess where we are. Absolutely perfectly said. And, you know, we go for the low hanging fruit. The thing is, if we're it, it's a bit like the Hippocratic Oath that the doctors take, um, although that's a whole different subject matter. But, you know, do no harm is first. And at the moment, we are consciously uh, as, as a species doing a lot of harm. And if we stop that input straight away, it's going to, as you say, 
put plug that hole initially enough for us to really then assess and what next we're not saying it's the only thing but absolutely my interpretation of it Jane is the one most important thing that we can all do right now is to get this stop to allow us some time some real breathing place the planets and breathing place to actually take stock and decide what next yes yeah absolutely Thank you so much, not just for your time today, for, you know, 20 years of absolutely raising awareness on this. I mean, I I can't even begin to imagine how hard that journey has been. Um, You know, I think there's very few people that can watch this that won't feel quite emotional about the state of affairs. But the important thing is for us to dust ourselves off and actually take action. And, And if each and every one of us do that together, we absolutely can make this stop. Um, Any final words from you, Dane? Just gratitude. Thank you very much for your voice in this equation to all your listeners and followers. And it is our combined efforts that can yet make a difference. And And as I've said many times on our broadcast, Global Alert News, which is our weekly update, commercial-free, we pay for all of that out of pocket. We're on 27 stations around the U.S., uh, one-hour commercial-free broadcast. But as I state often there, that we are not helpless. Those in power are not gods. And we need to remember that every day. Thank you so much. And um, thank you for everyone who's taken the time to listen to this. And thank you in advance for the action that we're all going to be taking following this. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And if you feel inspired, please do share with your friends and family. My goal is to inspire as many people as I can to live their best lives, to stay curious and to raise their consciousness and that of the collective. So to do this, I need to reach as many people as possible and this needs your help. If you feel drawn, would you be willing to share your favorite episode with five different people? This helps us spread the word and also helps me encourage some exciting new guests to take part in this podcast. If you feel drawn to do that, I will be very, very grateful. All the links and discount codes where applicable for all the products that I support are on my two websites, katherineedwards.life and katherineedwardsacademy.com. All of the products are personally tried and tested by me, my family and my clients. And finally, please do press the follow or subscribe button, depending which platform you're listening on. And above all, stay curious and stay free.